Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. My name is Ian Boquette and every week I ask special guests from the world of musical theatre and beyond all about their favourite musicals and what one show they would order run forever if they had the power of the Mayor of Musical Theatre. A completely made up, silly, ridiculous position, but it's a good excuse to talk to people about their favourite musicals. If you've listened to this podcast before, you'll probably have heard the musical Groundhog Day talked about quite a lot. It obviously was in London at the Old Vic Theatre a few years ago, it went over to Broadway and now it's back at the Old Vic Theatre until August 19th. Everyone's talking about it at the moment. It's everyone's favourite production currently in London. Really hope it does something beyond August 19th, but at the moment it's not looking likely that's going to be in the near future. So if I have one recommendation for the start of this episode, it is to get your tickets for Groundhog Day. And in that show, you will see many great actors, Andy Carl, of course, starring, but look out for Billy Nevers, who is a phenomenal performer. He has been in... I mean, I've been lucky enough to see a lot of the shows he's been in, weirdly enough, but he's been in Legally Blonde, Regent's Park, Jesus Christ Superstar at um, Barbican and then Regent's Park during the pandemic lockdowns. Um, And Juliet, he's been in so much stuff. He's just at the start of his career, such an exciting talent. And he is incredible in Groundhog Day, a phenomenal actor and dancer. I mean, the whole cast are just incredible. It's a brilliant show. The writing from Tim Minchin, the songs, so, so, so good good do go see it um as i say that's august 19th at the old vic theater this podcast is produced in association with musicaltheaterreview.com your premier source for news reviews and interviews on all things on stage backstage and worldwide let's get to the chat with billy nevers i absolutely love it i will put it on at any given opportunity Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer and now podcaster slash fake mayor Ian Boquette. But I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than my guest today. I was lucky enough to be in the audience for one of his first West End performances as part of the Arts Ed Choir, making a guest appearance at during Christian Chenoweth's London Palladium show just a few years ago. And since then, he has starred in some of the most exciting productions of recent times, including Legally Blonde at Regent's Park, Jesus Christ Superstar, Barbican and then Regent's Park and and Juliet, he is stupendously talented, and you can now catch him in the brilliant Groundhog Day at the Old Vic. Billy Nevers, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh my gosh, what an intro. Wow. Thank you so much. I'm honoured. I don't think I've met anyone that was at that Kristen Chenoweth concert, so that is that's incredible. I mean, it was a full Thanks. house. That was such a great... That, I mean, let's just start yeah. with that. Why not? That must have been amazing to be a part of. I mean, yeah, it was so... It, it was so random. I think that's such a... Um, I think it's quite a good representation of how my whole career has kind of gone forward that, you know, like one day we were just at college and they were like, okay, we're going to audition you to um, sing for Kristen Chenoweth. And we were like, okay, yeah, very cool. And I think that's very much the same energy that I've taken with me in every single job. Every single job I've got and I've done has got a very funny interesting story about how i got there so it's all very exciting we started off we started off very random and we're still living that life today (laughs) i mean you say random but you seem to make consistently excellent moves through your career your the productions you've been a part of the few that i mentioned have all been amazing shows i mean yeah i've been very 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 lucky 
um in in that sense i've been so lucky that um the timing has just worked out for um for each of them to line up and for all of them to be something new and something special and exciting in their own in their own way um yeah but this one groundhog day is all oh, it feels like it's in a very in a different world to something that i've done before yes. which is which is exciting and fun well it's such an incredible show did you manage to catch it before um like when it was originally on at the old vic i didn't see it when it was originally on at the old vic but i saw it when i went to new york in 2017 so i saw the broadway production with mr andy carl and yeah i remember loving it i remember funny story actually i remember being so jet-lagged when i watched it like we watched it as soon as we got off the plane and it was like after a 24-hour day and i was watching groundhog day i'd never seen the film and I remember dozing off at one point and waking up and being like, I've already seen this bit. <laughs> and so I'm going to close my eyes again. It was very confusing, but I absolutely loved it. I thought it was incredible. It was such an amazing show. So it feels very strange and weird to be doing that now. I mean, what a show to see while jet lad, because not only obviously the repeating days and everything, but also the magic, of the, it, it would blow yeah. your mind, surely blows your mind that's what i always say don't come see the show jet lagged or drunk because you will uh you'll be very confused <laughs> the old vic has an incredible bar and some great themed cocktails but take it easy with them yeah, take it easy with the cocktails <laughs> <laughs> yeah because it is quite a deep philosophical show as well and you want to be able to have the intellectual experience as well as just the song and dance part of it yeah for sure i think there's such there's something so beautiful about the show that i think in maybe act one or in um the first parts of the show you don't see coming you don't see um that part of the show how it's going to round out in that way and i think a lot of us in the show we on mass everyone is playing caricatures apart from phil and rita you could argue um so you almost feel as though it's impossible to find anything in those other characters which is um, wrong for when we get to Act Two and we take a deeper look into every into everyone that we that we meet and through the eyes of Phil, which I think brings that extra level of like of gravitas to what we've been doing, um, and it doesn't just become the repetition show; it becomes the show that rounds itself off, and that's why it's one of my favourite shows as a as a viewer if i wasn't in the show because i think it's written so beautifully in that way that it sets us up in one way and finishes us off in the other which i think is amazing you're absolutely right the way that you get to know the characters more just by seeing the same few hours of their lives like with your a little storyline you have in the background in particular where um you have this whole romantic story arc and the audience are so on board with it by act two they so cheer for it I think that's what's interesting about my character Fred and Debbie, and who's played by Camila Fernandez. I think what's interesting about it is that as an actor, um, you only have a five-minute character arc. You're living the same, same same five minutes, which is what we found as a hurdle. I think at the beginning because you're trying to find in your character something that uh, one 
keeps the comedy for the repetition at first to allow people to understand what's going on you have to make it funny so you have to find something that your character can do that is recognizable to be able to be like ah yeah i remember that part from the last day that's hurdle one hurdle two is then approaching each day with the same mentality and finishing it off with something different depending on what you've been given um and finding um what that does for you for the rest of the day um and i think the third the third one is is making people feel like your character is more than just those five minutes is for them to want more and to and to keep being engaged in everyone's storylines because it has the potential to be forgotten um so those were some of the hurdles but what i think is so wonderful about our characters is that um, they both get um, a growth that you don't expect. They both um, they both get to do things in Act Two that um, you never saw coming after those five minutes that have been repeated and repeated. Um, but yeah, in terms of the, we have a lovely storyline that you know is in the grand scheme of things very short in connection to the rest of the show, but. Um, for us, we spend two and a half hours building up to it, so it feels feels long. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a big show. There's so much choreography, not just obviously like um, is it philanthropy where you got the massive dance yeah. number? There's that choreography, but also to make sure everyone's in the right place for the magic tricks, and so everything repeats exactly. It must be a lot of physical hard work. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to kind of surrender yourself to the style and yeah of the production i think you have to um understand that you know with repetition comes uh comes mistakes with repetition comes differences um and i think what was really good for us in the rehearsal room which uh lizzie g our choreographer was very good at doing was allowing us to make differences between the days and what makes each of those days different. Um, and for me as a actor, as a dancer, it made it so, um, so much more clearer what our intention was for each day. And in each day, there's slight differences in terms of choreography. There's slight differences in terms of intention. Um, we also, well, she also, as choreographer, surrendered herself to the fact that not every day can physically possibly be replica of the first day we've set up. Um, in the previous production, I think it was maybe a little bit easier. Um, in this production, we've scaled down a little bit. Um, there used to be five revolves. Now there's none. Um, and also, I think there used to be about six or seven more cast members. Um, so in this production, our tracks are a lot more busy. We're doing everything that those six other people were also adding to the show, as a, as well as what normally the tracks we're doing would be doing. Um, so each day is bound to be different. You're going to lose someone to a quick change, or you're going to lose someone. So someone else is going to be holding a flag, or you're going to be coming on from a different side but i think the moment that we allowed ourselves to be like okay well each day is different um and that is that is fine it's going to make it hard for the brain but each day is different um we 
we really then started to understand the piece as a whole and understand how the world moves. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of choreography, a lot of repetition, which in rehearsals took us a long, long time to understand and get right. Um, but slowly and surely we've mastered it. Well, I mean, I've seen it twice already. I'm definitely going to go back like four or five more times this week. I reckon it's such a... <laughs> I'm going to go bankrupt because of this show. Do you feel any guilt at all by bankrupting me? Do you know what? I think I can't take any... I can't take any of that. I have to pass that all over to Tim Minchin and the team, Matthew and Danny. What they've created has got people hooked. And I think that is something that we that we lack in um new musical theater um we found something that feels like it's a staple piece of theater um in the catalog of musicals um that you know is is not talked about as often it's not um it's not held to the same levels as some other new musicals but i would argue that this is one of the best new musicals we've had in maybe decades a hundred percent i mean i talk to a lot of people for this podcast and outside of it it's everyone's favorite musical at the moment it's going to do things it's going to be a part of that canon in a few years let's hope so talking about the grand scheme of musicals let's get into finding more about your favorite musicals um so the first question of this podcast's weird format is which show first made you fall in love with musical theater was there one show that hooked you yeah for me it was i saw hairspray at shaftesbury theater such fun um and instantly i was just hooked i was hooked which is really full circle because i've just spent four years of my life at the shaftesbury theater um but hairspray at the shaftesbury theater was the show that honestly got me so hooked i can remember the day clear as day um, going to see the show, sit, sitting in the seats, seeing the performances. Um, I just could not stay in my seat. I was obsessed. Um, and I would literally watch the movie version of Hairspray um, every single morning and after school. Um, wow. It was, it was, it got me hooked. How, hooked. Old, how old are we talking here? What sort of age? We're talking uh, six, seven. Oh, really young thing? Yeah. So since then, your whole life has just been dedicated to performing arts? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I just absolutely loved it. Obviously, performing arts, very hard thing to get into. You must have lots of people telling you, have a backup, were there any other careers you might have gone into, or has it always been this? No, I mean, for me, it was, I think, as soon as I realised this was a possibility, like, this is a job, I was like, yeah, okay, that's 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 for me. Um, I wasn't very academic at school. I struggled. Um, so for me, the performing arts was kind of like a an outlet for me. It was something fun that I could do that wasn't um, so stressful or so. Um, yeah it it was it was always first my hobby so when i connected that to um and I actually think it's important to say that it was i enjoyed it i enjoyed learning to do it i loved the training to do it i loved being able to 
learn more and more and more. So when I started working, um, which was very actually spontaneously, uh, the opportunity came up and then the career started many years before I'd expected it to. Um, I I loved I I loved that I loved the learning so it it always kind of was that I don't think if I ever had if if I ever was like oh I'm not going to do it anymore I have no idea what I do no idea what I do so yeah it's always been for me I guess during the pandemic a very scary time for performers you were very lucky in that you got straight into Jesus Christ superstar and you had these opportunities mm. even when all the theaters were shut that must have been a godsend for you Oh my gosh, it was. I was, I just, I could not believe my luck um, because I only really had two months of lockdown pandemic life before a show came back up for me. Um, And that was incredible. And also I loved doing that show Um, the first time at the Barbican. It was my first job. I, I do feel that the last part of the job for me was um, was very difficult because I was doubling up on, on Juliet in the day. Um, for about four or five weeks, I was doing Juliet rehearsals in the day and doing Jesus Christ Superstar at night. Um, so I was very tired <laughs> doing the show. Um, so it was nice to go back and be like, oh my gosh, I can do this show again and just solely do this show and give everything to this show in a time that people a longing to see a show. Um, I, I have to admit, it was very strange. Of course, yeah. We were having to stay, obviously, two metres away from each other, on stage, off stage. It was very... Yeah, it was It was a very different experience, but I also think that made it very special because um, I can say I did a show in the height of the pandemic and we were measuring how far away we were with, to each other with two meter sticks. So that is a story to tell. Um, but yeah. it was amazing. The show was amazing. Um, we literally had like four days rehearsal. Um, wow. I suppose it helps yeah, having it done was, it at Barbican before, but in a different venue, outdoors, two meters away. I know. It was, it was just like, it, yeah, it was just crazy. I mean, just literally four days, I think, four or five days in the rehearsal room, redoing the choreography, redoing what we knew. Yeah, it was just crazy. Well, we've mentioned a lot of incredibly catchy shows there, Hairspray, Jesus Christ Superstar, I mean, Groundhog Day itself and Juliet. But is there one musical score which you find always gets stuck in your head? I think it is usually the show I'm doing. Groundhog Day has just left my brain. Um, when I was in rehearsals, um, honestly, all I could hear was the marching band, was the marching band underscore was like, all I could sing was songs from the show. I mean, it's pretty cool walking down the street and having the marching bands come in and... I know. <laughs> it was, it, when you've done it maybe 45 times that day, it <laughs> makes me, it was like, just give me a break. Um, but. Um, a musical score that is that I find myself that's in my head. Um, well, something about me is that I'm always going to be listening to music. I'm always, always listening to music, and quite often I'm listening to musicals. Um, a score that is always in my head. Um, I 
for me, I'm a sucker, a sucker for In the Heights, an yes. absolute sucker for it. Um, so I'll, I'll, I think most days I'll be, I'll be singing along to that in some capacity. So that's always in my brain. That's a solid, solid choice. Such catchy music. Yeah, oh, I love that for one. For sure. Well, Groundhog Day is probably my answer, and it might be your answer as well, but you can't have it because that would be cheating. What is your favourite musical currently running in London? You know what? I think it's a strange loop. Yes. I think that oh, good. at Barbican, um, I saw it on Broadway in December, mm. um, and I think it's one of the most like important pieces of theatre that um, we have in the country right now, I think. Um, it talks and sheds light on an experience that is overlooked and isn't given the limelight. And I think that it's the most incredible, honest, um, harsh, um, hard watch. I think it's, um, and I think that is exactly what theatre is and what it should be. It should be a difficult watch. It should be uncomfortable. And also it should be, funny and it should be lovely and there's all these things that tie into this show that make it so real um and i think the music's amazing it's it's very black and i think that's what is needed in a space like the barbican um absolutely it's a very different it's a very different vibe for them I mean, their last show was Anything Goes. The last musical that they have was Anything Goes. So then Strange Loop is very different. I like that audiences are going to see it without maybe having the um, knowledge of what it is. Um, and that's exciting for me because it opens up more conversation with more people. And I think that's what theatre is for me. You should be able to leave the theatre and have interesting conversation about what the topics that have just been explored in that two and a half hours i think yeah it's a beautiful beautiful show you're absolutely right because it's such i mean there's a lot of fun um it's very fun there's a lot of funny parts of it and it's also so uncomfortable at times and it makes you think so deeply and it's and it's just mm. a totality of an experience told in a really honest way and we do not get that enough for sure we don't get it enough especially on that scale yes especially on that scale it really feels like it feels like a golden gem. A lot of the time we see those sort of like honest, honest and heart pour, like they, the writer has poured their heart out into this material. A lot of the time we see that in smaller venues or in new fringe shows or um, yet yeah, in, in different settings. So to, t to see it as a Pulitzer Prize winning, Tony Award winning, best musical at Barbican Theatre on Broadway is huge. Um, so I'm just very happy that it's here. Very happy that it's here. It is wonderful. I was talking to um, Cedric Neal for this podcast the other day, and he said he really loved it, but it hit so close to his own experience to him. It was quite an uncomfortable watch, and it was quite difficult for him, but he's nevertheless glad it's there as um, yeah. you know, on the scale it is to represent that experience that he's had. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think, I think that's the point of theatre, isn't it? I think everyone should find a show that feels like it it touches them and sometimes it touches you in a way that is um takes you off guard and is too close to home and sometimes it's something that you really have to find 
the the connection to. Um, but I think it's important that shows like that are coming because to someone, a strange loop is going to be uh, an aid in their journey. I mean, it's it's a difficult watch, but it, it's an educational watch. And I think for some young people, that might be a game changer, um, which I think is amazing. So, yeah. I think for some older people too, the time I saw it, there was um, an older middle-aged lady who'd come along to see this new musical who might not have known what it was. And she was there happily clapping along during one of the songs. And you could just see on her face, it's slowly dawning on her that this was actually a um, a parody song. It was a satire song. It was the um, the AIDS and hell song. and But obviously yeah. it's presented in such a fun way. And she was realising, oh no, this isn't a happy clap along song. I should be engaging with this more. And that was beautiful yeah. to see. That's the thing, isn't it? I think when you're when you're presented with something that you have no idea where it's going, you find yourself not tuning in one hundred percent. You hear something like that, you'll hear melody, and you'll go. You can make an assumption. Yeah. There's also another beautiful song in the show called uh, "Periodically" uh, that the mum sings, um, which starts off so lovely. The chord progression is lovely. The melody is lovely. But when you start to listen to the lyrics, it is very dark and quite um, uncomfortable to listen to, which I think is such a beautiful thing in um, Michael R. Jackson's writing that um, he's managed to almost dangle carrots of positivity. And I think that's so reflective of real life that we could we can still be, you know, happy in our lives and still be thriving in life but in there somewhere is some negativity and is something dark and is so i think that for me is like what you've really captured um a representation of life and i think that is genius i think it's amazing Really well put. You're right. It stops you engaging passively with the musical. You have to engage, which everyone should do with all musical theatre, really. But for well, sure. well done to Michael R. Jackson. Incredible work. You will do at Groundhog Day. You will be engaged for two and a half hours, www.oldvic.com forward slash Groundhog Day. Yes. I mean, I've already said I've seen it a million times. I'll be plugging the hell out of it all <laughs> over the place. Don't worry about that. Okay, next question. Which musical has made you laugh the most? I feel like I laugh at when I see my friends in shows, um, a lot of the time when I go see my pals do things, it makes me laugh. So my best friend, uh, Courtney Bowman, was playing Kit DeLuca in Pretty Woman. And that was making me howl. Also, when Millie O'Connell went back to do Six at Hampton Court Palace, I was cry laughing. Um, there's been so many times that I've actually been just laughing out of because I know people on a different level and seeing them doing things on stage makes me laugh. But I'm trying to think of a musical that has made me laugh. Do you know what I will say? And Juliet was hilarious. When I first saw Anne Juliet in rehearsal room and when I was watching in previews when I was a swing, mm. uh, David West Reed uh, is just comedy. His, uh, his comedy approach is so dry and witty that it was it was hilarious I, I i still found it funny until the end until the end of my contracts i found that show funny so i actually will say and juliet the musical 
That's a great answer because you know the songs are going to be good. You know it's going to be spectacular. The dancing is going to be incredible. But a jukebox musical like that, it can fall apart on the book sometimes. But you're right, it's <laughs> hilarious. And it, it's emotional as well. It's a great book. It's a great book. And also I think the way that they've tied in the songs with the narrative is also humour in itself. So I think they've done a really great job with that show. What is your favourite movie musical? Hairspray. Yeah, easy answer there. Hairspray, 100%. But I will say I've loved some more of the recent ones, um, like In the Heights. I thought In the Heights was an amazing movie musical. Um, I also thought um, I thought Matilda was amazing. Yes. I thought Matilda was, was amazing. For me, one of my guilty pleasure movie musicals is Annie, the 2014 version with Jamie Foxx. Um, I haven't actually I, seen uh, it. I need to check it out. Oh, oh my gosh, you have to see it. I absolutely love it. I will put it on at any given opportunity. I absolutely love it. He's not Mr. Warbucks. He's called Mr. Stacks. It's all very modern, high tech. Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. Amazing. I love it when I get a recommendation out of this podcast as well. I've got some, th- some homework to do. You've got to watch it. Maybe, maybe don't watch it thinking it's going to be the best movie in the world. That's all I will say. It's my guilty pleasure for a reason. <laughs> I mean, that was actually the next question. Um, it's a musical. People might be surprised to learn you love. So that's a great answer for that one. Annie 2014. Solid. Annie 2014 version. Solid choice. On the other side of the coin, is there a musical which other people really love, but which doesn't quite connect with you in the same way it does them? It doesn't have to be a musical you hate, just you don't get it the way other people do. There's quite a few. I have quite a specific taste, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Les Mis um, has, never, has never grabbed me. I think some people, I think there's some shows that people listen to or hear when they're younger and have like a huge connection with it. And um, for me, I never saw Les Mis. I've only seen it once in the last couple of years. Um, and I just didn't, uh, yeah, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't the most grand thing that everyone had hyped up to be. I think maybe I'd listened to the to the hype a bit and gone, oh, well, this show is like the best show in in London. And for me, it just, just didn't hit me. That's it did not hit me. Um, I mean, it's three hours of unrelenting sincerity. And if you're not on board with it, it, it will get a little bit. Yeah, it was very that. Also, like, yeah, there's there's the classics like Cats, not for me. Uh, yeah, there's that. I think there's, I have my genre. I have my musical genre and I love it. Um, so the, the lame is, um, and the, like the phantoms and the, all those kind of things are not really my cup of tea, but, um, who knows? Don't hold me to that. We'll be playing this podcast when I'm like, I am in lame <laughs> for the next three years and two years time. Um, yeah, so those are the those are the shows that aren't really my cup of tea. That's fair enough. I mean, that whole era of musicals were ones which only really work, or at least historically, they've only ever worked with a huge budget. And mm. I don't know how they would translate to a small arts centre venue. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with you. 100%. Whereas Legally Blonde, I can see any amateur production of it and I'll howl with laughter, I'll sing along. Oh, it's the best musical in the world. It is the best musical in the world. It's perfect. Well, okay, away from the negativity, what do you think is the most romantic musical? 
The most romantic musical. Wow. Um, do you know what I saw? I remember watching American in Paris at Dominion. Oh, wow, yeah. And it was so grand and so, like, it just felt very romantic. Obviously, it's Paris. It's, it's, it's that kind of vibe. It feels like a sophisticated night out that you could take. Mm. You could take someone to a theatre. Yeah, me and my girlfriend, we have a lot of theatre trips. We go all the time. Um, so I have many shows that um, that are, you know, I, we can make anything romantic. We could make, we could go anywhere. Um, but I think there was a few that we saw on like, on the New York, or we went to New York uh, in December. So there's a few there that was very romantic. I'm trying to think as a show that is, what is romantic as a show? Mm. It's a hard one because the mu- like, like the musical scene go on a date and it'll be lovely because it'll be funny and you'll be you'll have a romantic time because of that. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think as to what actual score, like what is giving romance. And for me, I might have to say the most romantic musical is. Oh, this is all very difficult. Romance. What would you say? What would be your answer? I don't think you understand the format of this podcast. You're the interviewee. You can't just turn this like, around would, on me. Like, what would what would be your what would be the most romantic musical to you? Like, what would be what? Like as you say, uh, there's ones like West Side Story where the music is so grand and it's set up to be romantic, yeah. but then it's so sad and tragic yeah. at the end that it's not really a happy romance. Yeah, I do. I that's what I think it is. I think a lot to find a show that is so that is just happy romance the whole time. Um, is quite difficult, but actually, yeah, maybe West Side Story because I think that might that that captures quite a, an authentic representation of romance. Um, so yeah, West Side Story. Let's go with that. Fair enough. You like your romances to end in in bloody murder. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we like it. <laughs> what musical have you never seen that you think you should see? I've never seen Mamma Mia. Oh, okay, that's a big one. Yeah, I've never seen Mamma Mia. I've also never seen uh, Phantom of the Opera. Those big shows. Yeah, there's a few of like those those big ones that I've that I've never seen. I'm quite. I'm usually quite good going to theatre. I'm quite good at like seeing things. Like I'm going to see a Strange Loop on Thursday. Yeah, I'm usually quite good at seeing things. But yeah, Mamma Mia, I've never seen. Uh, Phantom of the Opera, I've never seen. I mean, both of those have been in London for a long time and they're never going to go. So it feels like, oh, yeah, I'll just go exactly. see it again in a few years. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, those are the ones, yeah. No, those are both big musicals. And I'm sure you'll get to them eventually. You'll probably be casting them before Let's you see them. Let's hope so. <laughs> Let's hope so. Which musical's fictional world would you most like to live in? Oh, wow. Um, I've always loved as a kid, like I've always loved putting myself into different kind of worlds and like imagining, like I loved like Sims, the game. Nice. I've loved, I loved like all the games that are kind of like free roam that mm. you can kind of like just live your life in a completely different world. Um, so this is a very good question for me. Um, I think um, I have to take into consideration set design as well. Um and for me, I think Anne Juliet is very much up there. I think the way that they make Verona and Paris out to look, um, 
is incredible. Also colourful so and beautiful. Like, very colourful, beautiful. The costumes, the outfits looks great. So I'd quite like to explore there. Um, I'd also um, there's there's so there's so many. Like I'd also want to go somewhere so random. Like I'd want to maybe explore the Lamez world and just walk around. It, it seems very dark to me. It seems very dark and very polar opposite to where I've just come from, which I think, which I think would be funny. I think it would be fun to watch. Um, I also would like to um, go somewhere like the six world, where there's actually, they don't create a world. It's just on a stage um, yeah, and see a, what. It's a theatrical space. <laughs> yeah. See what it's like. Love it. Would you like to be any specific character in these worlds? Like in, in Anne Juliet, would you go and be your character from Anne Juliet or would you like to experience the life of another character? In it? I'd go with Shakespeare because then I can make things up whilst I'm there. Nice. You are the I architect can, of The Sims. You're in charge. Yeah, like I can I can make a shop if I need it. I can do those things. Very smart. So that's it. If you were to direct a radical restaging of a classic musical, which one would you choose to bring up to date? I think there's there's quite a, there's quite a few things. There's quite a few things actually. For me, there's been always something in West Side Story um, that um, I think we have, we have a lot of revivals of West Side Story. I feel like we have a lot of yeah. There's a lot of different takes on the show. I think it's difficult because of the time frame, but I think there's something that's so poignant about that story and how that connects with um, life in London and gang culture in London and modern day gang culture. I think there's something really interesting um, in there to find something that um, is reflective of life now. I think that the the rivalry, the, the, I think there's something so, you know, interesting. And like, I know we said about bloody murder. I think there's, there's, the, there's something so truthful about how that's how a lot of things, you know, in, in gang culture, that's how things end, which is a horrible way, which I think to bring it to now or to try and connect it to now, would be really interesting um, to to see a completely like different take on it. You're right. That's a good choice because people will always want to hear that music. They'll always want to see that story, but to have it more relevant to modern life and not set in the fifties, like every single version of it is. Yeah. I think it'd be yeah. Cool. I think I think it would be interesting. So I'll I'll see you at the Olivier's when that wins best <laughs> best revival. Awesome. I'll, I mean, I'll be in the audience cheering it on every night. I think that would be a lovely show to go see. Well, the big question, if you were the mayor of musical theatre, if you had that power and you could order one show to run forever so you can go see it whenever you want, which show would you choose and in which venue? I think it would have to be Hairspray. Nice. Because like I've said, it has a very, it has a very big place in my heart. And I think I would have it at the Shaftesbury Theatre. I think it was just perfect. Um, and who doesn't love Hesper? When it was here at the Coliseum like two years ago, I loved it even more. I was like, oh my gosh, it's just amazing. But also to that, I would put Legally Blonde 
on in London forever. Okay. So I can just hop hop in and out when I need to. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You've been an amazing mayor oh, of musical theatre. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And I'll see you, let's say, tomorrow at Groundhog Day. I'll be back every single day. Oh, it's been phenomenal. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what day it is anymore? So that was Billy Nevers, the incredible performer. You may have seen him in Legally Blonde, Jesus Christ Superstar, and Juliet, or even Groundhog Day. If you haven't been see Groundhog Day yet, get yourself tickets. It must end August 19th. Um, as I say in the podcast, as I say to everyone I meet, I have seen it a few times already. I'm going to be going back as many times as I can before it closes. Genuinely one of the best things on in London at the moment. One of the most exciting new musicals to come about in years. I'm sure it will it will do wonderful things and be all over the world. But for now, before August 19th, that's your opportunity to go see it at the beautiful Old Vic Theatre, which is a wonderful venue down by Waterloo. So even if you're not based in London, it's quite easy to get to. Just come, come into Waterloo and it's right next to that station. So that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Um, you can follow Billy Nevers on the social medias, of course. All those links are in the show notes. You can also follow this podcast at, at Musical Mayor Pot on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and Musical Theatre Review, who you can follow on at Musical Theatre Review on Instagram and at Musical Theatre R on Twitter. Well, I hope you join us next time for another very exciting guest. And keep it musical. Bye-bye.